You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man, and you're listening to Knockouts and Three Counts. Ladies and gentlemen, obviously I'm not Devin, but this is Kyle. Uh, I'm rolling uh, solo tonight. Um, We've got a big guest for you guys, bringing you a little something different from the MMA world. Um, As you can see, there's plenty to talk about as far as the UFC game. Michigan MMA, we've had probably about five or six guys get signed to the UFC or get a shot at the UFC. So there's plenty to talk about tonight. Um, also, as we announced the other day on our Facebook, you are more than welcome and invited to come out uh, at Buffalo Wild Wings in Detroit for Extreme Rules. We'll be doing another viewing party alongside the guys from Breaking Down the Ring. And as I said, we've got Liam DeMond calling in from uh, Cage Side Management. He's the manager of Brett Martin, past guest of the show. We're going to talk to him all about LFA 70, Brett's fight uh, out there in Wisconsin, and what's next. Uh, we'll talk some UFC 239 and uh, everything else in between. So as you can tell, things are a little different. I'm riding solo today, and we've got uh, so much stuff going on in the world of wrestling as well. You had Fighter Fest that happened this weekend, that brutal chair shot you saw with Cody Rhodes, and it looked like a fucking flap was hanging off the back of his head. Uh, we had a great match between Kenny and the Bucks and Lucha Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid. Um, all in all, I thought it was a great card. few matches I didn't like. Wasn't the biggest fan of the women's match. Um, wasn't the biggest fan of the women's triple threat between Nyla Rose and the two Joshi girls. But all in all, man, I think another solid outing from AEW. Uh, UFC this weekend, we've got John Jones is fighting on the card. You've got Holly Holm and Amanda Nunez. You've got Diego Sanchez fighting on the card. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I totally for- didn't realize that this card was that stacked. So we've got all kinds of stuff, um, to cover here tonight. You're in for an action packed episode. Um, our guest will be calling in here in about two seconds. Uh. Sorry about that. Um, as far as Fighter Fest, man, there's been plenty of there's been plenty of stuff all over the internet uh, with Fighter Fest being free and it being uh, streamed over BR Live. Uh, personally, um, I think it was a great it was a great way to do it. It gets them exposure. I mean, we all know that you've got All Out coming at the end of uh, August, which we should be in the building for, and uh, Starcast along with it. So there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of big things coming with that, and oh, here comes our guest. Hello. Hey, what's up, Kyle? What's going on, brother man? On the line with us, we got Liam Demond from uh, Cage Side Management, the manager of past guests of the show, Brett Martin. How you doing, brother man? Good. How are you doing? Not too bad. I was giving the people a little bit of a preview. I told them we'd talk a little UFC 239. Obviously, we got to talk Brett's fight and uh, definitely want to dive into uh, the managerial side. You know, you're the first uh, manager we've had on the show. So first of all, let's start with uh, LFA 70. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the fight, your thoughts on the fight and uh, the experience as a whole. Um, Yeah, so as far as the fight, um, we all saw how it ended and stuff. It was a very unfortunate ending. 
um, you know, disqualification. Uh, just the biggest thing that really was upsetting is, you know, we went out to uh, we went out to LFA with, you know, a purpose to make a statement that Brett's ready to compete at the highest level, you know, because, I mean, that's when you get into that level of competing at LFA, taking a multi-fight deal with LFA, you're really building your path to the UFC right there because they're one of the main feeders for the uh, for the UFC. So, you know, Brett was ready to go out there and make a statement. And just for the way that it went down, it was uh, it was very unfortunate. And um, it was a really good call. Um, I know a lot of people were hitting me up and hitting Brett up about they seen on TV after the uh, stoppage, they seen uh, the CEO of LFA uh, kind of get hot with the referee. But um, I actually talked to him later that night in the hotel lobby, and he just kind of explained where he was coming from. And, like, he's pretty much on the same boat as us. He's just disappointed that the fight had to go down that way. So, you know, it was because um, it, it would have been a big statement for Brett to make, you know, go in there, take out this uh, 610 Brazilian. And um, so, yeah, it's just unfortunate, but we're moving forward. We're getting ready for this final. Um, so we've got the uh, contract set to go. Um, so later this fall, Brett will be fighting Daniel James for the LFA heavyweight title. So that's going to be a good matchup. It's actually a fight we've tried to get a time before, um, between Brett and Daniel James. So it was, it was a matter of time before they crossed paths. So, so I didn't get to see the fight, uh, as it happened and I've seen all the fallout from it. Now, was it something where Brett took the guy down and the guy was hitting him in the back of the head or he had him pinned up against the cage and the guy was hitting in the back of the head? there was like a series of, uh, so the first series, which really didn't get like stopped or nothing was when, um, Brett went for the shot. Um, so as fight started out, Brett got hit with that. Um, after Brett threw a couple of leg kicks, Brett got hit with one and it kind of spun him around. And then, uh, Hennon hit him with a couple more shots. So Brett went in for the shot. And then when he did that, Hennon started hitting him with kind of downward elbows on the back of the head. Okay. And I think a couple of them were just off to the, barely the side, almost like that, just borderline. But there was still like a minor warning from the ref. Um, and then after that, it was, uh, Brett went for a trip and, um, Pennon ended up on top for a second. And then as soon as he was on top, just started unloading, you know, six, seven shots right to the back of the head. And I mean, there was no, there was no being careful about it, you know, like trying to hit him in the side of the face, just, he was just hitting right to the back of the him. head. And then um, the third ser- the third set was, uh, so Hennon threw a leg kick, Brett caught the leg kick, and uh, he threw that overhand. And um, so he was going for an ankle pick at the same time. So between that and the overhand, he dropped Hennon, and uh, Brett got on top position for a second. Um, Hennon, quick- Hennon did reverse it, and he was back on top for a second. But then again, as soon as he was on top, it was just those shots to the back of the head. So finally, you know, referee made a call. He stopped the fight. And, um, you know, it to me, it was an excellent decision because, I mean, at, by the end of it, you're talking 20 shots to the back of the head. So it was, you know, I was happy to see the fight got stopped. Um, I was actually, I thought it was going to be declared no contest at first. But, um, you know, d- disqualification, I feel like, was a very justified call. Um, you know, they, a couple of people were trying to talk about like a language barrier, but I had that there's an unspoken language when it comes to a fight. Everybody knows the fucking rules. Don't give me that language barrier bullshit. Right. Exactly. When the ref grabs you and points to the back of the head and says, no, I mean, that's pretty clear cut and dry. Well, not to mention, you know, there's, there's people in the LFA staff that speak Portuguese. So, 
he he knew the rules. He, you know, I will say I was kind of unhappy that like, I mean, I don't want to say he was showing no remorse, but he was almost acting like he did nothing wrong. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I don't know in Brazil, if there's certain parts of Brazil that aren't really fully sanctioned and they're okay with that down there. But I mean, up here, you know, it's a no, no, you know, we all know that. So, so yeah, it was unfortunate. Um, you know, like I said, we were ready for Brett to go out there and, you know, showcase that he's ready to compete with the top heavyweights in the world. So, but you know, this has happened. He still got the win regardless. So it moves him to eight and one now as a pro. Um, you know, he's made a major jump in the rankings. You know, he's ranked fourth in the nation by topology. Uh, he's entered the worldwide rankings now at heavyweight. Um, so yeah, now it's just time to get ready for Daniel James. And, uh, you know, if he wins, if he beats Daniel and captures the LFA title, I mean, I, me personally, I really, I, I'm not going to say I would expect it because I never want to expect nothing too much, but you know, I, I wouldn't make sense, or it would make sense as to that UFC call coming after that. You know, I mean, you're nine and one as a heavyweight. You've got three professional titles now. To me, what more do you really need to get that call? Well, I mean, getting a title for LFA, like you said, LFA is uh, you know one of the top feeders. Uh, for you, you getting a title there, I mean, you're definitely yeah, on the UFC's. Huge. You're yeah, you're definitely on the UFC's radar. Let's talk a little bit about sure. that, man. So, like, for you, you know, you're the fir- like I mentioned, you're the first uh, manager that we've brought on. You know, uh, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about that. You know, like you being so young in the game and stuff. You know, like what's that like for you, and like what's that process look like for you now that you guys are working with some of the bigger organizations? I, it's great to finally be working with the bigger organizations. You know, I mean, this has been my goal from the start is to establish the connections that I need to lead these guys to where they need. Because at the end of the day, why do people get a manager in MMA? They're looking to get to that next level, you know. They need those connections. So, like, with me, when I started out, you know, I just, I never really, this is something I never envisioned myself doing. I just, I got asked to do it, and I started doing it. Um, Ken Cross asked me to do it um, for him when he was getting ready to go pro. And so I just, like, you know what, it sounds like some fun. So let's go ahead and do it. Well, here we are three years later with Cage Side Management. So, um, you know, I started off with no connections in the game, nothing like that. So it just like, you know, when I look back at it, it's like I really didn't have a whole lot to bring to the table. Um, now, you know, I'm still in the building process, but we've got those LFA connections now. Um, you know, I've got a couple of contacts for Bellator and here pretty soon we'll definitely have that, uh, that UFC connection. So, you know, we're in the right track, we're in the right path. Um, you know, doing it so young, it's definitely, it presents a challenge. Um, and, you know, like where I'm at right now in life, you know, I still, I work full time plus 50 hours or more a week. You know, I got my little girl at home and stuff, my wife. So it's important to still give time to them and then still focus on building Kate's side as a company. You know what I'm saying? So I can only, it, it presents, I was going to say, I can totally respect that because I mean, both Devin and I and everybody else on our show, Devin, Tony, Kyle, and and uh, Kevin were all of us working full time along with, you know, trying to do this podcast. So I can understand right. that. I can understand that fully, you know, and it's crazy because like on our end, you know, you see like we talked about it when you and I were talking about, you know, having you come on, you know, like everybody's like, dude, you guys are getting all these people. I said, dude, think about that. And then think about the fact that we're doing that while all of us are working full time. Like it's not like. Right. It's not like this shit just drops in your lap. So that brings me no. to my next question. You know, like, uh, what 
what sparked your in- interest in combat sports as a whole? Like who who was it that got you interested and what what made you you know pick the managerial role as opposed to the normal everybody wanting to fight? So um I've like you know I've always watched MMA and stuff. Um I got into it. I really got into it in high school. Like growing up and stuff, I always seen like little uh Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell clips on the TV and stuff, but I never really started like watching it and knowing what was going on until about high school. Um, and so, you know, I always enjoyed watching it and stuff. Um, I did have like a spark for a second to fight in high school because there's uh, some kids from other schools that I knew that were everyone was all of a sudden being a cage fighter, and this was back when it was unsanctioned. Oh my! So God. I seen all these <laughs> kids that just all of a sudden started decided to cage fight, and and I'm just like. I know for a fact I could have beat that kid's ass. So it's like, if it's that easy, you know, let's, you know, let's go in a cage or whatever. But that was just like a small little, you know, I was in high school still. I was, I wanted to be bad too. So it was just like a quick little itch for a second. Um, but yeah, so I've always been a fan of the sport. Um, you know, I started training a little bit and stuff. Um, started training jujitsu and Muay Thai. Um, haven't really had too much time lately to focus on that, but I've always loved training and stuff as well as, as far as the managing side too. So, but, um, as far as like sparking, what sparked me to get into the managing side, um, was like, once I first started working with Kenny, like kind of understanding that, you know, it's my job to make sure that they're focused. Cause you know, I'm watching what they're doing and this was, you know, when Kenny first went pro, I mean, he was he wasn't really in a legit MMA gym. He was still kind of just, you know, he wasn't doing what full-time pro MMA athletes do, but I still felt obligated to make sure that it was all he was focused on was training and stuff. And I would handle the rest. And so like when I started realizing what these guys do on a daily basis and stuff and what they got to go through to be successful, I wanted to help them make that possible. Any, you know, however I can make it happen. So, you know, it's just like, I want to see these guys be as successful as they can. I want to help them every way I can. And, uh, you know, just make sure that they're focused on what they need to focus on. Let me handle the rest, all the behind the scenes BS. And, you know, we'll all make it to the top together. So speaking of that, like you were saying, you were talking about the behind the scenes BS. And I would like to think that the majority of the people listening to the show, unless you're in the game of any, in any sort of fashion, you know, Devin and I have talked about this a lot off the air, and he's gotten to experience it a lot now. Now that we've worked with a lot of the fighters, we've worked with Kenny Cross being one of them. Uh, yeah. You know, there's so much shit that goes on in the fight game that I feel like people don't see because they're not no. in it. And 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 this isn't to say like I'm like I'm some OG of the game or I know what I'm talking about, but just the things you see. You know, just being in the back, you know, with a, with your guys before they fight. Or, you know, again, since Devin's not here to ring the bell for me, having fought before myself, you know, it's crazy because people don't understand what goes into having to make that switch and walk out to a fight. When you throw oh, out, exactly. when you throw just that in alone, it's nerve wracking as hell. But then when you add all the managerial stuff, man. It's like, that's a lot to, you know, that's a lot to take on, you know, one person. So like with with you mentioning, you know, how young you are in the game, you know, have you experienced any type of flack or people looking down on your brand as a whole, just because you're younger in the game or maybe not giving you quite the look or your guys, the look that maybe they should. You know, I feel like that 
there there certainly are probably some people like looking down and stuff and you know we're not at that legitimate level yet so um i feel like there is some of that out there and i i expect that honestly i really do because you know i mean to the to some of these guys you know fighters other managers businessmen i'm just this young kid that's out here trying to make stuff happen but I still can't quite make certain things happen yet. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, some people, you know, I got a lot of people that respect me and appreciate the grind, but you know, like I said, there's probably some people that look down at it and stuff, but, um, the way I see it is we're continuing to make things happen. I feel like that, you know, with us coming up on the, we're coming up on almost the two year mark for cage side. And it sounds like a long time, but really that's still such, you know, we're still in the early Trust years, me, I get it. but you know, we've got, like I said, we've got our connections being made now. And so we're on the come up and, um, you know, I feel like within the next couple of years, we'll definitely be transitioning from, you know, just a small up and coming company to, you know, I feel like we'll have within a couple of years, I most certainly hope that I'll have Brett in the UFC. That's definitely, you know, one of my main goals. And, um, you know, we'll be at that. what most will consider that legit level of managing. So, with that being said, you know, tell uh, tell anybody who doesn't know, you know, like I remember when you guys first came out and I started seeing you guys come around and things like that and started seeing cage side management pop up in the fight game. You know, like you said, you guys have been around, you know, around two years now. You know, let the people know for some that don't know, you know, I mentioned Brett Martin, but if I'm not mistaken, you're also the manager for other past to the guests of the show, uh, Angie Jennings. Uh, I know you've got um, some people out of state and stuff. I used too. to work with Angie. We don't work with Angie anymore, but we did work with her for a while. Okay. But uh, let everybody know who all you guys got under your stable right now and who they got to look out Just, for. So right now um, we got Brett Martin. That's our top guy. That's, you know, I give Brett credit for carrying the company because um, Brett is, you know, he's been hit up by the bigger agencies, the top managers in the game. And, uh, you know, he's still with us. So, Brett's willing to help us chase our dream too at cage side. And that's, that's just one thing about Brett is, you know, he's all about giving back and helping others. And so that's why me and so many people respect him. So we've got Brett, um, we've got Tim Torado on our roster. Um, Tim is, uh, for those that don't know, Tim, uh, about four to five months ago, I was longer than that, but, um, Tim Torado had been battling cancer and he's, uh, cancer free. Um, he's gotten his port out and Tim actually is getting ready to make his comeback hopefully by the end of this year. That's so what, that'll be a really, that'll be huge. That's what's up. So it's just Brett and so, Tim right now then. Uh, well we got, so we got Brett and Tim, we got the Perry twins, uh, yep. Jason Abbasi. Um, we've got Alex Davidson who, um, he hasn't fought in a while. Um, last time he fought, he made his pro debut against Jamal Hill, who as we know is now going to the contender series. Mm -hmm. Um, Alex was supposed to face Mohawk last weekend, but unfortunately suffered a fractured rib like a couple weeks out. So, um, but we're trying to hopefully get him back in there soon. We've got Shane Rodenberg, um, very, very good wrestler trains out of triumph with Brett. Um, and then we got Zach Mendham. Um, Zach Mendham hasn't fought in a while either. He's out of ACO and Kalamazoo. And then we've got a guy down in Florida called, uh, Danny Dernovich. Um, he's one of our first out-of-staters that we started working with, and we're actually getting set to bring on another guy here soon. Uh, once his contract's in and stuff, I'll, we're going to make the announcement for that one. But a uh, guy out of Ohio, he's a pro bantamweight, five and two, five first-round uh, submission victories. So looking very forward to bringing him on. 
So tell me about that. Now that you guys are starting to expand and uh, expand your roster to out of Michigan, you know, how does that look like for you? Are these guys coming to you? Are you reaching out to them? What's that look like? Um, all of my out of state guys have actually so far hit me up, and um, you know, it's I I do want to get more out of Michigan, you know, um, to start getting because you know, it's it's not like regional MMA. It's not like uh, all these Michigan promotions, you know, they're they've they're in Michigan to give these guys a platform and stuff, you know, and this is where their business is based out of uh, me, you know, essentially, obviously I want to get all these awesome studs in Michigan, you know, up to the next level, but then I want to do it for all these other amazing fighters coming up throughout the country. You know, um, I just, with the way that MMA is going right now and stuff, and I feel like MMA is, it's just continuing the transition. The sports continues to evolve and we just, we keep seeing these waves of, uh, killers coming in and stuff and so there's so many of them coming in that you know they're all going to need a manager at some point and there's so many fighters you know there's just you know there'll be people to keep an eye on so um i definitely want to wait just a little bit before we get too crazy with getting out of state and stuff you know because i don't want to commit to these guys when i'm still you know working full-time plus and trying to take care of you know other things um you know because i don't want to fail them but um once you know, once we feel like we're getting to that next level in the company, I'll definitely be looking to bring on a lot more out-of-state people and up-and-coming prospects throughout the nation. So as you mentioned, you know, Brett's last fight was for LFA. You know, he's fought for Lights Out. He's fought for most of the big promotions here in Michigan. Tell me a little bit about, Mm -hmm. from a manager's point of view, with the majority of your stable being here in Michigan, uh, tell me a little bit about, what how you see the growth in the Michigan MMA scene from a managerial point of view? I it's crazy to me how many guys we've got up and coming right now and that are finally getting on the big stage. You know, I mean, we had Cody Stamen, um, you know, quite a while ago make his UFC debut finally, which was definitely should have happened way sooner than it did. But we, you know, to see him get there was awesome. Um, and we got Devin Smith coming up on the Contender Series. Daquan just made his debut and stuff. Um, Vince Murdoch was uh, supposed to make his debut, but we've seen he got injured. Um, I was going to say, I'm trying to make sure I don't forget anyone else. But then we had other people on the LFA. We had Colin Anglin on the LFA yep. card with us. I saw that. He so, had a nice I mean, knockout win. It's Oh, my gosh. That was insane to watch. I actually, that you know, huge. it's funny. There was another guy who won on that card uh, that we should be bringing on the show real soon. I'm not sure on his last name because I was talking to him on Instagram, but he fought that night and won as well. So we'll be bringing that okay. to you soon. But, yeah, dude, it's crazy because, like, it, it's funny how it works even in Michigan. Like, it always seems like when one guy gets signed, there's always, like, uh, a group of them, you know, in a way. And right. it's, like, it's crazy with, like, WXC being on Fight Pass and you've got, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Lights Outs on Fight TV and right all and all these guys that they're bringing in you know you know fishers fighting guys from american top team and you've got joe riggs coming out here to fight and all these things man it's crazy to see michigan blow up the way it has because as you mentioned you know when you were in high school i'm sure you and i aren't too far off in age so i was around the same way but i remember when i first started going to fights man you would see guys coming in the cage talking about i'm a street fighting specialist and they didn't know what the hell they were yeah. doing you know, to where we are now, to where Michigan has legitimate, 
legitimate contenders and legitimate guys who are all over the place. I mean, you've got Darren over in Japan. Even though he doesn't live here anymore, you got Miles out in Cali, and he's fighting for UFC. You've got Cody in right, the UFC. Right. You know, you've got all these guys that are coming, you know, so it's finally getting to a place, at least it looks like, to where Michigan's finally starting to get a little bit of that clout because low-key, I mean, Michigan's always had guys that are on that level. I mean, you had... Don Richard was on that level. You'd got Tony Hervey that fought Gomi. You've got uh, Justin Janes who trains out there at Extreme Couture, but he still fights, you know, here locally a lot. You got Bobby Nash. You've got, uh, you know, you literally you can go down a list. There's a list of guys who are really, you know, making that mark and kind of giving um, Michigan, you know, that light, you know. So, yeah, and those guys, they're paving the way for all these new up-and-comers. And like you were saying, too, like how one person gets signed, like a group of people go, it's good because that means eyes are on Michigan right now. And we got some really top promising people, I, you know, with the WXC card coming up. Um, one person I definitely expect to be getting a call here soon is uh, Willis Black. Oh, dude, Willis, Willis has been – Willis has always been fun to watch. He may not have oh, always yeah. been like the most technically sound back in the day because back in the day he used to use his strength a lot. But now, like, it feels like, and I could be wrong, but I'd venture to say that this is pretty spot on. That now that you see guys like Cody who have been, you know, fighting his way through the Michigan scene and trying to get, you know, that look from the UFC for so long, and Vince Murdoch being another guy, and, you know, when Bobby went and all that stuff. It's almost like it yeah. seems like now that guys see, oh, shit, you can make it out from Michigan. Right. It right. seems like it's kind of like made this renewed sense of drive within the entire Michigan MMA community. I don't know if you would agree, but it seems that way to me from a lot of the guys that we bring on the show. You know, I feel like when we first started, you would see guys kind of kind of look at it and like, yeah, you know, I want to make it there. But in the back of their mind, they were like, you know, anywhere big that I can get to. But now it seems like this is the most tangible time for someone from Michigan to really have an actual chance at the big oh, shows. Absolutely. Well, I think one thing that's helping, too, is like, you know, these promoters are really doing a good job now of putting together the right fights for the fighters. You know, like you said, they're bringing in people from American Top Team and stuff. You know, they're bringing in. Uh, the guy that Willis is fighting, I can't remember his name, but you know UFC vet. Um, and say, do you remember who he? Is? Do you remember the guy? No, name? I saw something about it. I'll look that up and I'll I'll have that guy for you guys if not yeah. tonight, next week. But I mean, Willis. I mean, Willis is definitely somebody we're going to end up bringing on the show at some point. Um, he, like I said, he's been known around the Michigan scene for a while. Most people that are around the Michigan scene know what's up. And now, like I said, I mean, you're just seeing so much of an influx of uh, people, you know, making it. So I know that it's mm -hmm. not just you, not just you involved with cage side management. Tell me a little bit about how the company side of that came around. I know it's not just you. So tell me a little bit about how it went from, okay, you're helping Kenny Cross to now you guys have got like a legitimate company and you're starting to build a stable of fighters. You know, tell me how, how does that look? Who's helping you along the way? And, you know, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned in your short time in the game? Yeah, so, like, one of the biggest things, like, you know, to be successful with something like this is you need a team. And that is, you know, something I've realized. And so um, when I started up Cade side and started wanting to bring on a couple more fighters, 
it was like, all right, I'm going to need someone, you know, I need a right-hand man pretty much, you know, call him a VP or whatever, but this is going to be my go-to guy for when I need help. Um, so one person who I hit up to uh, ask for, like, recommendations was uh, Frendo, because Frendo is uh, the first person I've ever dealt with on the business side and still working with him. And, you know, I've always had a really good working relationship with Frendo. So it's that's also someone that's always, you know, put me in the right direction, offered me good advice and stuff, and uh, got a lot of respect from that because he's always, you know, he's been there for pretty much whenever I needed him and stuff. So, yeah. um, shout out to Frendo so for sure. Time. He was on the he yeah. was on the show just last week. Oh, was he? Yep, yep. We brought him on to uh, preview uh, lights out when we had Maneeb on. I was going to say I'd still like to get my fight with Frendo, but <laughs> that'll happen someday. Whether it you and a lot of other street. people, I've seen I've seen a lot. of a lot of people go in at Frendo. <laughs> well, I just, you know, he wants, here's the thing with Frendo is he wants to talk like he's the Shug Knight of Michigan MMA, but <laughs> I'm going to just let it be known. I'm going to let it be known right now. I'm Shug, not Frendo. Oh, shit. Let's talk a little bit so, about that, man. Like you, you and I are a lot alike in that. Like I, uh, you know, I grew up, you know, boxing in Detroit and all those things. And I always see you with the hip hop influence and all that kind of stuff. Tell me a little bit about that, man. I see you repping Wu-Tang all the time. I even seen you had your kid in a, a Wu-Tang onesie, bro. So oh, yeah, I, I just love it, man. I love, you know, old school hip hop rap and stuff. It's, it's real music and stuff, you know, a good majority of it. It's real music. We were actually talking about something back in the day and just everything about it, the lyrics, the beat just gets me going, man. I absolutely love it. You know, um, you know, and like you said too, you know, I'm big Wu Tang fan, NWA, you know, I love it all, you know. Can't even I can't even be mad at that. So like me, you have traveled to a lot of the big fights. I've been to Bellator, I've been to UFC, I've been to King of the Cage, I've been to most of the big ones. So for you, now that you're on the managerial side of it, um, I know just for us, like on a podcast side, like now that we're starting to get to the point where we can point to multiple guys in the UFC and guys that have fought in Bellator and guys that have fought in Ryzen. Well, females that have fought in Ryzen. But anyway, uh, like we've we've had these people from these big promotions. What's that like for you, you know, going to these shows, knowing that that's, you know, the ultimate goal for you is to be, you know, down there with your guys going to the cage? What's that experience like? Because I know you were just there in Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah, we were at, we were there in Chicago, and we were we were seven rows from the main floor. And like honestly, a good majority of the night, you know, while I was enjoying the fights and stuff, it was a blast out there. Um, one of the biggest things I was thinking about that night was, you know, here in a you know a few years time, I'm going to be sitting right there, you know, not too far out from the cage on the floor, watching my people in there. You know, um, I visualized Brett in there a few times that night. Um, I actually. When Tai Tavuza fought, um, I was like, God, Brett would beat the shit out of Tai Tavuza. <laughs> and I really, that's like not just me, you know, saying that. I That's like one fight I honestly would totally love to get Brett set up in the UFC someday as Tai, just because, you know, Brett, Brett's wrestling, it's, you know, it's on point, And that's one department that Tai definitely lacks in. Um, you know, that's like, that's one thing I do look at is I look at the heavyweight rankings right now and I look at, you know, who would be the good fight for Brent and stuff. So, well, that's what um, I would, but yeah, that leads into a question I was going to ask you anyway. Like, how do you see Brett matching up like with the top heavyweights you see in 
the UFC and the other de- divisions because it's not a secret. I mean, the heavyweight division hasn't been what's the right word? The heavyweight division, I don't want to say not exciting, but the heavyweight division hasn't had like that big star in years. Like they haven't no, had that it, big promoted star. There hasn't been like that one killer. Like back in the day in boxing, you had Mike Tyson. And then even in the right, UFC, right. you had Tim Sylvia and you had, you know, Frank Mir and Brock Lesnar and all these guys that were like the big name. But now there's, I mean, you've still got Francis Ngannou. You've got Stipe Miocic. You've got the champ, Daniel Cormier. But even at that, right. there's not that one guy that's really when you think of the heavyweight division, it's that guy, you know? So like, right. where, how do you what? see you him? The UFC is banking on Francis right now. Oh, they of definitely, course. That's who they want to be their moneymaker. Can I just say that that guy's fucking fist is bigger than my head? Uh, we met the guy here oh, in Detroit goodness. when the, uh, like we met the guy in Detroit when he fought and like absolutely murdered Alistair Overeem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> holy shit. The guy stood next to me in his fist. I got a big ass head. His fist was bigger than my head. Like that guy is fucking huge. And then you well, I'll tell you what, when I seen that picture of him with Jamal Hill when Jamal was out in Vegas, mm-hmm. I think they have Francis build at six four and stuff. I, there's no way Francis is six four because he made Jamal look like a middleweight. That guy is just he's huge. So how do you he's see massive. how do you see Brett matching up with those guys, man? I mean You know, when I look at, you know, when I look at, like, the up-and-comers right now in the UFC, the guys that aren't ranked, and even, like, the guys 10 through 15, I think Brett can hold his own. I mean, the, the one thing, too, with Brett is he's never going to turn down a fight, and he'll take on anyone. He really he really sticks by that, and that's one thing he's good at. You know, he wants the challenge. Um, I think Brett's wrestling is always going to be his, you know, that's going to be his A, his A game. Um, you know, he's a phenomenal wrestler. Um, his jujitsu has definitely, he's come a long way as far as, you know, I mean, he's already got his wrestling transitions and stuff, but then just like you watch it in the Parisian fight, um, you know, it shocked a lot of people how well he moved on the ground with Parisian so quickly. Um, you know, so his jujitsu is really coming along and his striking too. I mean, you go back and watch some of Brett's old fights, you know, he's just standing there throwing arm punches and stuff, you know, not really putting anything into him, you know, going in with a jab, stuff like that. Now you've seen him out there throwing head kicks and stuff, throwing combinations, ending with the kick, stuff like that. You know, it's just he's continuing to evolve. And the thing, too, is when you look at the UFC rankings and stuff and you look at, like, um, you look at where Brett's at as far as, like, age-wise and stuff, he's still so young. There's still so much time for him to grow and evolve that by the time he hits that peak age for an MMA fighter, I mean, he's definitely he's going to be a true force to be reckoned with. So we've got a couple questions on the live feed for you. So um, Jen Div is asking. She said, uh, "What do you do to get more people involved when you go when you have an out of state guy? Are these guys that you're going to, you know, going to scout? Are they like we mentioned? You know, you said a lot of these guys are coming to you. You know, how does that look like?" As far as, like, like, what do I look at when they come to me? Or? Like, what are you looking for or, in those guys? And, like, how does that, is it, are they guys that you're coming to, uh, are they, are they guys that you're going out to, like, go and scout? Or are they, like you said, most of them are coming to you, I think is what she's asking. Okay. So, like, so as far as, like, out-of-state people, I really haven't had, like, a whole lot hit me up. You know, just a few that, I've had a couple reach out to me, and I've got the two I have right now. Um you know, I just like what it, when they hit me up, I mean, first thing I do is I pull them up right away. I look into, you know, their profile, their record stuff. 
um, where they train out of, you know, pull up a couple of their fights really quick. And, you know, I just kind of see, like, where they're at right now in their career and what, what can I really do for them, you know. Um, if they're a pretty green pro, um, I'm just kind of, to me, it's like, okay, so I can help them. Because one of the things, you know, like I said earlier, it's um, taking care of all the behind-the-scenes stuff, but I'm also looking to help these guys build their brand. I'm looking to help them get promoted, you know, um, get their name out there, build that social media following, stuff like that too. So, I, you know, I'll look at where those guys are with stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, just getting them promoted and stuff, getting them sponsors, helping them out with that if I can. Um, and then, yeah, it also helps me out establish, um, out of state connections, you know, cause now I'm dealing with the matchmakers and the promoters that they've been dealing with. And so I've got my contacts for out of state and then, you know, they've already been working with them. So I can kind of get like a little more background on the fighter themselves from the promotion and so, yeah. Well, that brings another good question off of that. You know, when you mentioned sponsorships and things like that, I don't think those that are outside the game really understand how big of a deal sponsorships are. And that was a lot of the blowback when the UFC took on the Reebok sponsorship, because along with that came, you weren't able to wear, you know, your own shorts and you weren't able to wear, you know, your sponsors all over your stuff. Um, how has it been for you? as far as trying to get sponsorships and things like that for your guys, has that been an easier thing for you to do? Or is it like, how, how has that looked? Well, like, so with sponsors and like, when you look at my roster of who I got, it's different because, so you got someone like Brett who I'm, you know, going to get him hooked up with like, you know, I got him hooked up with a CBD company, um, you know, trying to get him hooked up with a supplement company. And then, you know, we try and bring in what cash sponsors we can. Well, you know, he's, he's non-national television now he's got a good following and he's uh you know he's had nine professional fights so i'm not going to try and bring like a uh, 2-0 and ami the same level of sponsors i would bring sure. a 9-1 pro you know like with my amis and stuff i'm just pretty much looking at the local businesses in their area and i'm reaching out to them you know like hey i've got a guy in your town you know put together a little sales pitch and stuff and more so just targeting them whereas like you know higher level pros and stuff that are getting that national exposure, you know, it's going to be a lot easier sure. to gain those guys sponsors. Cause you've got a better sales pitch, you know, but if you got, you know, you got Joe Smo fighting in front of 400 people, not on pay-per-view or nothing. It's just, it doesn't really catch a lot of businesses eyes. Sure. So as we mentioned, Brett's getting to the point where he's getting to the big, the, to the big time. So this weekend we've got UFC 239. I know you're still a fan of it. So are we. Um, I've got the card pulled up here. Um, we had already planned on making our picks anyway, but since it's only me going solo here, uh, let's run down the card and let me hear your thoughts on these fights because I didn't even know until I looked at it all the shit that's like set up for this card. Like this card's about to be a banger. Oh yeah, it's it's huge, and I'm actually like I'm really hoping. Because uh, I'm going to be at a huge 4th of July party Saturday. Okay. So I'm about to hit them up actually tonight and be like, yo, you need to order UFC 239 because you cannot miss that. Oh, yeah, dude. it That's kind of how it was when Double or Nothing happened, but I totally agree. I'll be watching it. Um, so from the jump, from just what it's showing me just off the quick look I've got to see so far, uh, first fight on the card, we've got a guy who's fought past guests of the show, Miles Jury, and a guy that I'm a big fan of and is going into the UFC Hall of Fame in uh, Diego Sanchez versus Michael Chiesa. Um, Michael Chiesa has been on a roll for a little while. He had that one fight that was a little bit of a sp slip up, and Diego's looked 
looked all right in his last couple fights. If I got to go with somebody, I'm going to go with youth on this one, and I'm going to go with Michael Chiesa. But what are your thoughts on this fight? You know, I definitely, uh, that's a good fight. Um, I'm going to have to go with Chiesa, too. Just like you said, he's been on a good win streak lately. Um, but, you know, he's, hold up a second. My phone was fading out for a second. No worries, brother. We got plenty of technical difficulties. Just ask Amanda Bobby Cooper. <laughs> All right. Can you hear me yep, better Yep, I now? can hear you. Okay, perfect. So, yeah, no, Kiesa uh, and stuff, I, you know, like I said, I got Kiesa, but I just, Sanchez is someone you can never count on. Oh, no, you can't. Because <laughs> the guy will take a million and one punches just to hit you with that one haymaker. Exactly. You know, I mean, it takes, you know, he's going to come in swinging and stuff, and I, one thing I feel like with Sanchez, too, is, like, sometimes his his style and fighting just changes up sometimes, you know, like in between, uh, like from fight to fight, you know. Sometimes you get the aggressive Sanchez, then, you know, we've seen it in a couple of fights where he actually kind of paces himself, you know. and Tries so to use his wrestling. It's, it's going to be a banger, but like I said, i got to go Kiesa on that one. Next fight I've got on here is a guy who hasn't fought in quite a while, but uh, Luke Rockhold versus Jan Blachowicz. Uh I'm a big Luke Rockhold fan, but Blachowicz ain't no hoe. I'm going to go with Rockhold, but I wouldn't be surprised if Blachowicz, you know, puts in some work. What do you got? You know, I see, I'm the opposite. I think Luke Rockhold is a dick, <laughs> but I feel like, um, I feel like with his size and stuff and him moving to 205, I feel like he'll actually fare pretty well at 205. Um, you know, he's 6'3, I think. Yep. 6-3, and so, you know, he's a good striker. Um, he's fighting a guy that's, uh, let's see, what's the guy's name again? Blatt. Blackovich. Yeah, I think. So he, he's coming off a loss to Diego Santos. So, I mean, you know, both guys are definitely uh, going to be hungry for getting that W because um, Rock, uh, Rockhold's coming off a loss as well. But um, I think I'm going to have to go with Rockhold on that one. So the I think the big story to this fight is going to be you know, like you said, Rockhold's moving up to 205. You know, how does he handle, you know, the bigger fighters? Because I think that's something that gets missed a lot by fans who watch on TV. I think when you they see, you know, a guy's fighting at 205, I think a lot of novice fans look at it and they think that the guy actually weighs 205. Most of those guys are cutting to make 205, and Luke Rockhold is coming up to 205. So I think I feel like that's going to be the big story of it in how Luke Rockhold handles a bigger opponent, but, I mean, he couldn't have a better 205-er to fight against than his teammate and Daniel Cormier. So Right. Well, that's what I was going to say, too, is, you know, like the people that Rockhold is surrounded with, you know, he's got he's got the bigger guys and stuff to work with. And, you know, I, I would be curious to look into, um, like, you know, how much did he size up for this camp? What's he walking around at right now? And, you know, is he – What's he cutting, you know, just to see where his frame and where sure. he's really at for um, this fight, you know? Next fight they got on the card, and this is one that I think is going to be a sleeper and very well could steal the whole damn show. Uh, uh, Orhe Masvidal versus Ben Askren. Uh-huh. Oh, this shit's going to be a barn burner, and uh, I have to give Ben Askren a lot of credit, right? So he came into the UFC, and a lot of people were shitting on him, thinking he was just going to be this you know, lay and pray, wrestle fuck guy. And I mean, he took a fucking beating and still managed to, 
and still managed to come out with it. Yeah, I know. And he still managed to come out looking good. So, I mean, it's hard to go against Ben Askren, but at the same time, I mean, Jorge Masvidal is a dog, bro. Like, there's no other way to put it. So if I've got a pick and there's somebody I'm putting money on uh, just off of his momentum that he has, I'm going to go with Ben Askren. But I could very well see uh, Jorge Masvidal making this a dog fight and kind of throwing him out of his game. Who do you got? I'd say I, I want Masvidal to win. I really do. But if I'm going like, to break it down and stuff and all that, I'm going to have to go with Askren just because I see him going to you know, take it right to the ground and, uh, you know, doing what he does best next fight we got but, up. I mean, if, oh i thought if you were done. Can make it that dog fight you know then definitely you know drag him into the deep waters um did you catch that speaking of Masvidal, real quick did you catch his uh match with pettis recently yes i fucking did <laughs> dude i'm a fan of a fight of either one of those guys um i've been a pettis fan Back since his WEC days, and like I mentioned, I'm a big fan of Jorge Masvidal just because of the way he fights. Uh, I like yeah. I like that fight. Um, what about you? Between uh, Pettis, Pettis and, Masvidal. and Masvidal, what are your thoughts on that fight? Uh, that fight were to happen, uh, God, I that's a hard one for me to pick because I'm a fan of both guys. Both guys can handle that, you know, can be in that dog fight. I would have to go with Pettis on that one. I think Pettis has kind of got a little bit more momentum behind him right now. Yeah, more momentum. And I think he's just a little bit more of a well-rounded fighter than uh, Matt Stahl is. I think – so here's my only issue when it comes to Anthony Pettis, right? So, (laughs) like, when he took the title from Ben Henderson, right? Like, everybody always kind of sleeps on his jiu-jitsu. To me – I think the biggest issue when it comes to Anthony Pettis is that Anthony Pettis is bad at times for relying so much on the flashy stuff that he forgets to use his jujitsu. And I think that's my biggest gripe with a lot of guys in the fight game. Like I think a lot of fights are lost because guys get so caught up in wanting to have that flashy fight and get the knockout of the night bonus and get all this stuff that they forget, bro. If you choke a guy to sleep and make it look good, there's still a thing called submission of the night. And a W is a W. You know, and I mean, you know, like I understand, you know, wanting to look flashy and, you know, kind of selling yourself a little bit, build that following. But, you know, when you, when you risk the fight and stuff, you know, I mean, it is to me, it ain't worth it. You know, I mean, do you want the win or not? Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's a line between, there's a line between, wanting the win and when guys just fight like completely completely boring but there's also something to be said for you know I've always said this when people talk about guys like GSP GSP wasn't always the most exciting guy to watch you know down the latter stretch of his career but when you really look at his record man I mean the guy beat most everybody so oh, yeah. I mean at the end of the day you can say he might not have been the most fun guy to watch but uh his bank account says otherwise exactly well and one thing too we were talking about this the other day like how so i mean wrestlers wrestlers are dominating mma right now when you look at like the champions and stuff and you look at wrestlers are on top um you know and that was where gsp probably won a lot of his fights you know was by dominating on the ground and you know the casual mma fan nowadays they want to see a stand-up 
slugfest. They want to see a brawl. And I get that. That sells. But we were talking about, you remember the pride days? When, oh, like, when guys would hit the ground and, like, someone would be in someone's guard and then they passed their guard and they got the side mount and the crowd would, like, feed off of that. You know, they would go, they would love that shit. They actually, they appreciated, like, a good ground match. You know, they appreciated wherever the fight went. You know what I'm saying? Whereas nowadays, the casual MMA fans, you know, your typical beer drinking, affliction wearing, whatever, that just love to watch people brawl, they, just, they don't understand that. They don't understand, like, I mean, they don't understand ground fighting, first off, you know? I mean, and that's, that's, oh my God, I'm not, I, I promise I won't get off into a rant, but holy shit. That's one of the things that makes going to fight so hard for me is that every time you go to a fight, there's always that one, uh, there's always that one jackass. Oh, stand him up. It's boring. They're not doing nothing. And a guy can be transitioning and a guy can be blocking things. And like, dude, like, it's just amazing to me that even in 2019, how uneducated some of the fight fans can be. And it, oh, it's, my favorite one around Michigan is has to do with Kara Rowe. Every time I go to a fight, the Kara Rowe is uh, uh, either commentating or ring announcing for. There's always the one asshole. Get the bimbo out of the ring. I'm like, do you realize the bimbo could knock you out in heels, bro, and wouldn't break a sweat to do so? <laughs> like, right. It's just wild to me, dude. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm that guy that when I go to like the UFC events or whatever and stuff, and I hear people say that, I'm just like, get in there, go do it. You know, if it's that easy. You know, go past that dude's guard or whatever. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing people don't understand until you've done it. Like, you know, De I had Devin come with me the last time um, I competed. Uh, I uh, the last time I competed in jujitsu, and it was my first, not only my first tournament in. A little over two years. It was also my first tournament as a purple belt. And uh, people don't understand, dude. Like, that stuff's not... You don't just go in there and say, well, shit, I'm going to pass this guard. I'm going to take this guy down. I'm going to choke him out. Everybody's got a plan until you realize you're fighting another guy that knows what he's doing. So, oh, yeah. I mean, that changes things. Uh, to round out the rest of this UFC card, we've got... Um, they got um, Amanda Nunez versus Holly Holm, which I think is a banger of a fight. Uh, personally, Amanda Nunez pisses me off a little bit, so I really would like to see Holly Holm kick her fucking head into the third roll. But uh, who do you got? Honestly, for this one, I'm going to go ahead and pick the underdog. I'm going to pick Holm because I think that if Holm can really utilize her striking the right way, really work on like you know counter striking, working her angles and stuff. I think she can beat uh, Nunes on the feet because Nunes is just. I feel like Nunes is going to do what she does best. She's very plotting, right you know. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people, um, you know, I mean, ever so Holly blew up obviously with the knockout over Rousey and stuff. I mean, that skyrocketed her, and then she went on the three fight losing streak. Um, and so I feel like a lot of people really count Holly out now and stuff, but I mean, you know, she's lost to legit competition. She lost to the current 125 champion. Um, you know, she lost to cyborg, but she went all five rounds of cyborg, um, or three or five, I think it was five rounds. And so, you know, I mean, her losses aren't to nobody's and I, I'm someone that will never count out Holly Holmes, you know? I, I'm a big you Holly can't you can't counter out. I mean, you got to people forget all the experience she's got with uh, 
you know, you got to remember, you've got all her kickboxing experience, boxing experience, all that good stuff, too. Oh, yeah. And the last fight we have on the card, you've got John Jones versus the, a guy that you mentioned in the early fights. Uh, you've got John Jones versus uh, Tiago Santos. What are your fi- thoughts on that fight real quick as we wrap up? Um, if, if Santos lands one of those heavy shots, he's got a chance. But otherwise, there's just I, you're not going to beat Jones, man. I'm, I'm a huge John Jones fan. Huge John Jones fan. So I'm just going to put this out here right now, and this is no disrespect to, uh, you know, Tiago Santos, but uh, John Jones is going to win, and uh, he's probably going to finish him. But uh, that's just my thought. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think – what do you think he's going to do, TKO or do you think it's going to be a submission? Uh, I'm going to guess T- TKO because I don't think yeah. – I don't think that Tiago Santos is going to really be able to put up with, uh, you know, John's John's unorthodox. You know, and no. I don't think he's going to really be able to put put up with that. So as we wind down, man, let everybody know where they can find you, social medias, all that stuff. Uh, what's next for you guys? Uh, tell them what they got to look out for. Yeah, so social media, we're on uh, Facebook and Instagram as Kateside Management. Uh, we have our website, sitekateside.com. Um, and then as far as, like, what's next for Kateside, we got Brett Martin fighting for uh, the LFA heavyweight strap against Daniel James later this fall. Um, once contracts are set in stone uh, and signed, we'll definitely be releasing the date and uh, all the information on that fight. Should be probably within the next, I'd say, 72 hours. We'll have that out there. Um, getting set to bring on another out-of-state fighter, so uh, that'll be big. And then we got a lot of cards coming up in Michigan. Uh, in September, we got some good cards coming up. We got Matt show. Um, we've got the Big John and the uh, Lights Out Co show. Um, we've got Warrior Wednesday with uh, WFC. Keep doing their thing. Um, and then I haven't heard anything about TWC yet, but I'm definitely going to be looking to get a couple of my guys, especially some of my amateurs, on whatever card I can get them on. So we'll, uh, you know, pay attention to our Facebook page and Instagram for fight announcements and, uh, you know, just to keep up with our fighters too. Well, man, as we start to uh, wrap down, wrap up, man, you can uh, find the show. Make sure you're following the show as well. We'll be uh, sharing all the information once uh, the news is out with Brett's fight for LFA. Um, we'll be putting out all the stuff for Kenny Cross and all the other guys that you've seen on the show. There's plenty of stuff going on in Michigan MMA, man. So go out, support these guys. Let them know that let them know that you're watching. Um, make sure you're following the show at KO3C Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Knockouts and Three Counts podcast on Facebook at KO3CPod.com. All of our episodes are up there. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, uh, YouTube, everywhere you want to find us. So uh, after this episode's over, if you didn't catch it live, guess what? You can check it out. So uh, with that being said, man, Liam, it was great to have you on. Uh, hang on the line. I'll uh, I'll be, I'll talk to you in a second once we get off of here. But uh, thanks for coming on tonight, brother, man. And uh, we'll definitely be more than happy to help plug all the stuff for your guys as well. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on, Kyle. Much appreciated. No problem, brother, man. With that being said, uh, BCW, BCWA is out until August. Uh, we'll be out for that. Again, we've got the party at Buffalo Wild Wings downtown Detroit for WWE Extreme Rules. We'll be there with the boys from Breaking Down the Ring. Uh, hopefully next week I'll be able to uh, announce it here within the next few days. You've got Evolve has their big 10th anniversary show that's being broadcast on the WWE Network. Uh, we will have somebody from Evolve here next week to help bring that on uh past guest of the show josh briggs is on that show 
Um, dude, just so much shit going on. Make sure you're paying attention. And until then, fuck your couch.